0: 1.5 billion years ago, the planet we know as Earth was formed. Mass extinction after mass extinction gave way to the rise of humanity. Over the past 20,000 years, empires have risen and empires have fallen. Great men and women have conquered the known world, and then faded from existence. Of all human history and mythology lent only one moment. Sixty years ago on November 1st, 1961, West Virginia's first public radio station went on the air. And that station was W.M.U.L. WMUL 88.1 FM is undoubtedly a very special radio station. If you Google WMUL, you will no doubt find a lot of information about Queen Mary University of London. But if you Google WMUL and then click search instead for WMUL, right under where it says showing results for QMUL, then you will no doubt find news article after news article listing the station's many achievements or the station's award-winning social media platforms. Or maybe a link to an award-winning promo that the station airs. Did you know we've won more than 2,000 awards since the 1980s? Now you might be asking, how did WMUL get so special? How is it that a college radio station on the Ohio River beats out major Washington, D.C. metropolitan radio stations for awards? And what does WMUL even stand for? First, let's take a dive into the station's history. Let's go back in time to November 1st,
1: Nineteen sixty one. It's about a girl that I she took my love, then
0: ran John F. Kennedy is president. The number one movie is Breakfast at Tiffany's, and the number one song playing on all the radio stations is Runaround Sue by Dion but Runaround Sue was not the first thing on the minds of those working in radio at Marshall University. No, they were more interested in WMUL's first transmission. Let's tune to 88.1 and listen in.
1: At this time, WMUL radio begins another day of broadcast activity. WMUL radio is owned and operated by the West Virginia State Board of Education, Broadcast on an assigned frequency of 88.1 megacycles with 10 watts of power. Correct Eastern Standard Time, 4 o'clock. This is WMUL Radio. Today, to help WMUL celebrate its going on the air, we have with us Dr. Stuart H. Smith, President of Marshall University. President Smith? Thank you very much, Gene. This is one of the most exciting experiences that I've had since being at Marshall University. For many years we have looked forward to this occasion, and uh, now it has become a reality. Many people uh, deserve recognition and credit for this achievement, and I think I would particularly want to mention the names of Dean Bartlett of the College of Arts and Sciences, who has labored with this project and problem for many years, and I'm sure he's very happy today to see that it has become a reality. And then the chairman of the Department of Speech at Marshall University, Dr. Eugene Hoke, has had a very active part in this since coming to the university. And of course, I suppose the man who has done the most of the hard work uh, uh, has been Professor Stephen Buell, who is the um, director of our radio courses and of our radio work here at the university. We are particularly proud of this station, and of our opportunity to serve the tri-state area in this way.
0: And serve the tri-state area we have. Now let's jump ahead to 1979, when Dr. H. Keith Spears
2: became the manager of WMUL. I am Dr. H. Keith Spears. I am sitting in the presidential role at Campbellsville University in the central part of Kentucky. Prior to coming to Campbellsville, I worked for two years in the Joe Manchin Gubernatorial Administration, and for 28 years prior to that, I was at Marshall University.
0: How did Dr. Spears find his way to Marshall? While
2: I was at WFGH working for the Wayne County Board of Education, I was also doing several television projects. One of those was the, uh, I think one of the first play-by-play that was accomplished on public television there in Huntington, and we did a soccer games. We thought that would be somewhat unique, and also did some public affairs programming with the television station. And one evening, I got a call. Would I be interested in coming to Marshall University? Now, that that first call came in 1977, but I was having a good time at uh, WFGH and was doing a lot of uh, interesting and I, I thought rather entrepreneurial things in in public education. So, in 1977, when I was first asked to maybe consider come to Marshall, I, I, I declined that opportunity. But then again, in 1979, I got that call It said, you know, the opening has uh, reoccurred at Marshall. And what had happened was that they needed someone immediately to do part-time work to keep the, the radio station open because they did not have anyone to do that. They didn't have any professors to do that. So we worked out a deal with the County Board of Education, where I was working, Wayne County Schools, and with Marsh University, and I split my time there for about uh, six, eight months, or maybe maybe about nine months, and I went from uh, being full-time at, at Wayne County to half-time, and then half-time at Marsh University, and during that time period, there was a job search, and I was asked if I would put my hat in the ring, which I did, and all of a sudden come... August of 1979, I guess it was, uh, there was at Marshall University as an assistant professor. That probably surprised more people than even me, knowing that, that I, Keith Spears, from the, the coal fields of West Virginia, that's how I came to uh, be at Marshall. But what
0: was the state that WMUL was in when he arrived as manager in 1979? When I
2: came to WMUL in 1979, it had two or three students who were dedicated to make sure that the station had some programming. It was not what it is today. And I knew that I had a task set out for me, but I did have what I would say a center core of students that I began to talk to, and they began to come together for me. And we knew that we were going to have to learn some programming. What I found was that WMUL had a smattering of programming at the time. Basically, whatever the student liked, who was willing to volunteer, and they came in at, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning had to keep the station on the air, would play their specials. You know, there, there may be a, a genre music, but there was really no control over the, the programming as such. It was a challenge, and I like challenges.
0: After Dr. Spears came, Dr. Charles G. Bailey. Well, he wasn't a doctor quite yet. Under him, WMUL celebrated its 25th anniversary in 1986, then the 30th, and the 40th, the 50th, and now the 60th. Let's fast forward to today and speak to the station's student executive director and news director, Michaela Wheeler.
3: At WMUL, I have been the executive director for three years and the news director for guess going on four years <laughs> as shortly after taking on the position of news director I became the executive director it was kind of stressful I didn't know what situation I was going to be stepping into uh, there had been if you want to look at it from a female perspective there had been men in my position <laughs> before me that I had looked up to and it was a station full of men that I would be over so that was a little bit overwhelming I uh, am not a commanding person, so I had to learn how to take on a very commanding personality in order to do what needed to be done for this position. Bailey helped me a lot through that, uh, mentored me, and made sure that I was able to grow and become the person I needed to be for this position. And unfortunately, this position does not just require organization and making sure the jobs that happen here at the station are done. It also means that I have to be a confidant. I need to be a friend. I need to be someone that people can come to and trust with more than just work. And it's been an absolute honor. New Center 88 has been completely revamped since I took it over. Uh, I was kind of flying blind when I started as an anchor, but I absolutely loved it. And I have come into my confidence. Since I started here, I decided that I wanted to redo the re, uh, the imaging, and we've changed the script several times. I have special edition scripts now because we do special edition newscasts. It's completely different than our normal Monday through Friday newscast. Complete segments are taken out. It shifted during COVID. We had complete segments that changed. The time has not changed, but the entire setup and layout of the news has, and The personalities that you see on the news has changed. The interactions and the way that the anchors and the producers and weather and sports all interact with each other has completely changed since I took this position. Everybody's actually very close and they work close together to make the news happen.
0: News Center eighty eight is written by, anchored by, and produced by, primarily, college student volunteers. Usually that goes surprisingly well. But one thing that hasn't changed is that sometimes when one thing goes wrong, well, everything goes wrong. Let's compare a 1987 broadcast of New Center 88 with a 2021 broadcast to see how things really haven't changed.
4: Good afternoon. It's 5.01. In the news today, Reagan vetoes highway bill.
3: 2021. I'm Michaela Wheeler
4: of
5: special interest, pork barrel politics. The bill has a lot of special
1: projects. A
3: painstaking effort to find survivors after the collapse of a beachfront Florida condominium. 12 stories of debris (laughs) have flattened like a stack of pancakes with layer upon layer of wreckage frustrating efforts.
6: We're clearly
4: the underdog, but Senate Majority Leader. Bird says the administration has the clout and the public relations ability to make a tough fight.
3: Welcome back to News Center 88, voted best newscast in the state of West Virginia by the Associated Press.
1: Ex-Church Secretary Jessica Horn as professional. He quoted a Pentecostal magazine. <laughs>
0: I asked Doug Birdsong, former sports director, and Michaela Wheeler, the perpetrators of those two broadcasts, the story behind those shows.
4: You know, that was the strangest day I think I ever spent at Marshall University. I was in charge of newscasts, the five o'clock newscast that semester, and it was only that semester. And so I would be in charge of kind of helping get the group together. We had a couple of news, other news people, if I recall, least one other news person and then we had a sports anchor and so we were getting ready to go in and of course the newscast was live we didn't record it we're getting ready to go into studio B whatever studio it was then the bigger studio and when we went in there right before we went in there to go on the air with the newscast I can't even recall what we were talking about but it just hit me in the old proverbial funny bone And I started laughing and and it was so difficult to stop laughing. I finally gathered my senses right before we went on the air. And then everybody else started laughing. And so I'm trying to read my story, whatever the story was, and I can hear them in the back trying to suppress a laugh. Well, I'm kind of holding it together, if I remember correctly at the very beginning, but towards the end of my story, I just start bursting out laughing.
3: Oh, I I won't tell the story. I have several stories of some very bad newscasts that have happened. But that happens even in, I'll say, the real world where people do this for a living. You you just have some blunders that happen. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing it, how good you are at your job, things happen. And unfortunately, uh, during COVID and changing everything and adjusting to the world around us, we have had some... Fun little blunders with the newscast here at WMUL, but you just have to learn to roll with it, and then then you punch yourself later for it.
0: (laughs) WMUL doesn't just have a proud tradition of news, it also, of course, has a proud tradition of sports. Andrew Rogers, the current sports director, is going to give us a little look back at the sports history of WMUL.
5: Sixty years ago today, the FM 88 sports team began calling games on WMUL 88.1 FM. From Fairfield Stadium to Veterans Memorial Fieldhouse, WMUL has always been there covering Thundering Herd Athletics.
1: Good evening everybody, live from Huntington Memorial Fieldhouse, this is Frank Gardinia along with Chuck Bailey, and we'll be bringing you all the play-by-play and the action of the, tonight's first... Basketball contest. The Marshall University Junior Varsity basketball squad will take on the Virginia Tech Little Gobblers Junior Varsity from Blacksburg, Virginia. This is a preliminary game to the ninth varsity contest.
5: Into the 1980s with Marshall basketball.
1: Leading Marshall with ball. Henry down to Richardson on the right side. Richardson back out for Evans. Evans, the pit, now goes down the
5: lane, over Carney. It is no good. Pass is no good. Elton, 51, by 7. Into the 1990s, when Marshall football was at its peak the herd recorded the most wins of any college football team from 1990 to 1999 and the sports staff was there for it all the 1998 mac championship
4: good evening everyone and welcome to marshall university stadium james f edwards field it is the mid-american conference championship on 88.1 wmul
5: the 1998 motor city bowl
6: and welcome from Pontiac, Michigan, the Pontiac Silverdome site of the 1998 Motor City Ball.
5: The 1999 season opener in Death Valley at Clemson.
1: In the darkness and the shadows of this place
6: they call Death Valley, Marshall might find one of the brightest moments in school history in what might be the brightest season of what has been a shining decade. The green and white might achieve heights that once were thought impossible. It begins now, and it begins in a place Called Death Valley. It's Marshall and Clemson next on 88.1 WMUL. The 1999
5: Motor City Bowl versus BYU.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Silverdome in Pontiac, Michigan. We got a great game for you here: at the 1999 Motor
7: City Bowl with the Thundering Herd taking on the Cougars of Brigham Young University
5: and the 2000 MAC championship. The Broncos and the Thundering Herd will
4: meet today for the fourth time in 13 months. But this game means so much more than the average contest. It's Western Michigan and Marshall round two.
6: The 2000 Mid-American Conference title game is next here on 88.1 WMUL.
5: Along with covering the success of Marshall football, the FM88 sports staff has had the privilege to travel to many different sites.
6: WMUL welcomes you
0: to the mountain
5: town of Blacksburg,
6: Virginia. We are high atop Lane Stadium for this non-conference matchup between the Marshall Thundering Herd and the third-ranked Virginia Tech Hokies. Welcome back to Neyland Stadium
2: where, believe it or not,
5: Well, welcome to you to Sanford Stadium in Athens, Georgia. Like inside the Charleston Civic Center Coliseum, right up
4: here alongside Adam Cavalier, we are getting set for the men's game of the Capital Classic. Women's game just wrapped
7: up. Welcome back
2: to Mount Airy Field in Morgantown, West Virginia.
5: That tradition continues 60 years later in 2019.
2: Welcome back inside the Xfinity
8: Center here in College Park, Maryland. Spencer Dupuy joined alongside Nick Berzelini. Happy to have you with us on this Black Friday.
0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Cleveland Classic at the home of the Cleveland Cavaliers Rock and Mortgage Fieldhouse, as we have a good one for you between the 5-7 Marshall-Thundering Herd of Conference USA and the 10-1 Duquesne Dukes out of the Atlantic.
5: And finally, in 2021. Good afternoon and welcome out to Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland, where the Marshall Thundering Herd gets set to play the Navy Midshipmen for the first time ever, and it comes in game one of the 2021 season. Week four of the college football season starts tonight in Boone, North Carolina,
0: where the Appalachian State Mountaineers welcome in the Marshall Thundering Herd to Kid Brewer Stadium. I also asked former volunteers Jerry Handley and Doug Birdsong their favorite sports stories from their time at
4: WMUL. Oh, I have a lot of them. (laughs) However, the first time that I can recall being able to attend a Marshall basketball game as quasi part of the WMUL FM crew was my second semester. It may have been during the break, my freshman year. Marshall was playing Appalachian State and men's basketball at the Cam Anderson Center. And it was nearing the end of the first half. And where WMUL broadcast, it was on the opposite side of the court. So I'm not on the air here. There was a individual called Brian Adkins, who was the head announcer for that broadcast at that time. He was a senior, I believe, that year. This would have been in 1984, possibly. Whatever the case, it's nearing the end of the first half. A Marshall player by the name of Skeeter Roberts blocked a shot by a Appalachian state basketball player. And the ball went into the hands of a Marshall player by the name of Bruce Morris. And then this happened to my right over almost out of bounds. Uh, Bruce was within inches of standing on the end line there at the right-hand side of the court, the big green room side of the Cam Henderson center court. And so Bruce grabs the ball after it was blocked by Skeeter Roberts out of the air, twisted turn and just heaved it down the floor and I remember looking at the ball as it crossed under the old underhang scoreboard and literally it missed the bottom of that scoreboard by a foot and as it did so look up and the clock goes from one to zero so now it's the end of the first half but the ball's still in midair and so I then turned my head to my left and all of a sudden I see the ball go through the hoop. So Bruce Moore has just made, I think, to this day, it's still the longest shot in college basketball. May well be the longest shot in all of basketball, pro basketball included. The longest shot from one end of the court, basically, to the other. Well, that was thrilling, you know, in a crowd of seven, eight thousand, whatever it was at the Henderson Center that night. They they jumped to their feet, you know, it was just electric in there. So, the second half, Marshall wins a close one with Appalachian State. And we all head back to the studio. Well, at that time, we didn't have digital recording equipment. It was all on big reels. And what we always trained our board op or our game producer, whatever the term may be, to do was we always said, hey, these reels, which are, I can't remember how big they are, 10-inch reels, I believe, of literal audio tape. We said, put that on half speed. Now, I'm a freshman. I had never really uh, been inside the studio Too many times, but that's what they told him to do. So I walked back with Brian back to the studio after the game, and we found out that WGN Radio out of Chicago wanted a call of that particular play to be able to put on their station. And then, of course, they're a big 50,000 watt, it would go across the country, and there were other stations that wanted copies. So we get back to the studio and we put the tape in one of the other studios and start listening. And there's about one minute left in the first half. Now, recall, this happened with seconds left in the first half. And at the end of the first half was when the ball went through the the hoop, basically. So with about a minute left in the first half, the tape runs out. Instead of putting it on half speed, whoever was running the game kept it on full speed. And the tape ran out before the first half ended. And so Brian was crushed. This would have been his great opportunity to have a truly historic call spin across the whole country on various radio stations and now he didn't have any any kind of uh, demo of that at all so that's probably the thing that stood out the most to me it was so crushing to see his face after such a great opportunity but you know that's kind of what happens sometimes with live radio in 1973 three of us went to the reds media caravan that was exciting for us to you know be able to say okay we have media credentials to be able to be there and interview the folks who were part of the caravan we had a chance to rub elbows with the, uh, the print and broadcast sports reporters there. We met Sparky Anderson, who was the manager uh, of the Reds, Al Michaels, who was then the Reds radio voice and uh, uh, one of the pitchers. As I say, that was uh, 1973 and during the era of the Big Red and Sheet. So we were excited to be able to be there, do the interviews and, and feel professional
0: there is a superhero at this radio station one who can swing in at the last minute and save the day some call him the hammer many call him friend most call him Mike Stanley
9: I'm Mike Stanley I'm the operations manager I'm the tech guy basically uh, all the audio consoles all the computers all the recording equipment uh, all that's on me to maintain and uh, take care of you know I, I arrived here on Marshall's campus in the fall of 2003 and i just knew i had to get involved in something the state started with uh, journalism 101 with dan hollis also had dr bailey for journalism 100 the grammar class and i found wmul somehow got involved started off just djing and reporting news once a week Uh, throughout the fall semester I just kind of got more and more involved with different things and finding new things that interested me and by the end i was Kind of involved in just about everything. I was helping out with sports. I was helping out with promotions. I was helping out with production. Got on the board as the training coordinator the next semester.
0: Mike went on to become the station's operations manager, which is a position he still holds to this day. He's made a huge impact on this station, and nothing would run without him. Thank you, Mike.
7: All the time. All the time, Mike is coming in saving me something goes wrong on during a broadcast and you panic a little bit he senses it in the other room he smells it he comes in fixes it he's like walks in what seems to be the problem because when you make a mistake during a broadcast the easiest thing to do is panic and then you trip over yourself and then you don't recover he helps you recover and uh, just get back to it mike looks after us like looks after us, makes sure everything runs smoothly, but also he tries to help us be our best selves. I really appreciate that. And also, uh, when you can get Mike to laugh, it is the greatest feeling in the world. Mike Stanley,
5: the operations manager, does an awesome job. Uh, Anytime there's something that you need fixed or resolved or any type of little bit of help, uh, he's always there for you. He always helps you with anything and everything. So without Mike, you know, some of these things may not work the way they do now. So we're very appreciative. I am very appreciative of what Mike Stanley's been able to do here at the radio station for several years now. And I'm glad I've been able to experience and and meet him and understand what he's done for us over the four years that I've been here now.
6: And I think that the one thing that everyone knows about Mike is his ability to just come in on a dime or answer the phone and tell you exactly what you need to know when it comes to any issues that you have. I remember a few times that When I was a freshman, I was just learning how to get things going and something would turn off or I wouldn't know what was going on. It would be a really simple thing to fix, but, you know, you'd call Mike and he'd answer and he'd tell you what to do and he'd send you on your way. And uh, he's always able to just drop everything on a dime to help, no matter what it is. And that's an admirable quality for any person. Uh, With
5: Mike Stanley, he's the reason I know how to do everything I know how to do at the station. Learn to produce from him. He's taught me so much, and and he's patient. He's willing to teach.
8: If I had to say anything to describe Mike Stanley, it would be he is the glue that holds this whole operation together. Any equipment question, Mike knows the answer. Any question you have in the world, you just ask Mike. He knows how to fix it. He's also very approachable. He's got a great sense of humor, and I find it a joy if I can make Mike laugh at least once a day or as many times as I can make Mike laugh. I enjoy it.
3: Well, I have the luck of sharing an office with Mike. And when I first moved into that office, I don't think Mike expected (laughs) the load of glitter and nonstop talk that was going to come with me. (laughs) He had had similar personalities, but he had had male personalities in the past. And I am a bit much at times, I will admit. (laughs) Mike didn't talk very much. But then since he's been in the office, Mike is, I probably respect him more than most people. He's a very dear friend to me and I would trust him with my life. And it's not just because he knows all of the ins and outs about the station and he is your go-to man for any question in the world that you have, but it's, he's really been there while I've been through this portion of my life where I've completely had to remake myself and go through some pretty serious events He's, he's been that little bit of stability. So even though he's, he's just my co-worker, he's much more than that.
0: Let's face it, Mike holds this station together. We salute you, Mike Stanley, from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you. But 2021 does not only mark the 60th anniversary of WMUL being on the air... It also marks the 40th anniversary of one important man's first rendezvous with radio. Some would say he is synonymous with WML. You can't talk about one without talking about the other. In 1985, he won the station's first award, and under his leadership, we have now won more than 2,000 different awards. This man is the baron of broadcasting, the sultan of the studios, the prince of programming. Of course, I'm talking about Dr. Charles G. Bailey.
5: Dr. Bailey has always pushed me to be my best and to be greater today than I was yesterday. He does this in various forms, whether it's in the classroom or just sending emails or giving me advice on places I can improve. And he really cares about the students and wants them to succeed. And he's not afraid to push them to be successful. A few things about Dr. Bailey that I want to touch on how and how he's impacted my time here at Marshall is that he really cares about his students. In particular, I think he really cares about me and my future and what I have going forward for me. We sit down every week throughout this fall semester and critique a quarter of my football play-by-play, and I know that obviously takes a lot of time out of his day, about an hour and a half, two hours, maybe more at the most, but... His willingness to sit down and always have a chat every time I go to talk to him. It's not just a 10-minute, 5-minute conversation. He'll carry on. He'll do things another time and put things aside to talk to me and try to help me continue to grow as a sports broadcaster. I wouldn't be where I'm at now as a senior compared to where I was as a freshman if it wasn't for Dr. Bailey and what he was able to do for me and what he still is doing for me through my time here. Without him, the radio station really could not be at the level that it has been over the years and that it is now. So, Dr. Bailey, thank you so much for what you've been able to do over your time here at the radio station and what you have done to help me better myself as a sportscaster.
6: I believe that the thing Dr. Bailey has done most for me is pushed me to keep trying on a lot of different things. There have been a lot of moments in my life and in my academics that have made me want to give up, made me want to stop trying for what I'm going for. And I think that Dr. B's always been the guy to look at me and tell me to keep trying, or that if I'm not trying hard enough, he was the guy that would also tell me to keep pushing. If it wasn't for him, I don't think that I would be here right now in any sense of the word.
9: Uh, quite a bit. If he hadn't pushed the university so much to create this position, you know, I, w- I wouldn't still be here. I'd have gone on to, to, to somewhere else by now. And even when I was a student, you know, his, his faith in me that I could do the, the opposite position, and trusting me to select equipment and to pick out what we need and to to try to plan out uh, on a year-to-year basis what we need. That's that's been a a tremendous impact to me to, to have that much faith, someone to have that much faith in me.
8: I would say the biggest impact that Dr. Bailey had on my life, or has had on my life, is just he's really given me, through the station, opportunities. There's not that many professors who who are going to give freshmen or any student without much experience an opportunity to succeed and he's given me that and it's not just the typical oh you'll get the opportunity when you're junior or senior like he gives you the opportunity from the first day and he lets you learn I made a lot of mistakes very early on and it could have been very easy for him to just say, you know, find another path. Maybe this isn't for you, but he he lets you make mistakes and learn from them, so, and I'm appreciative of that because he's he's fair and he's honest and and he tells you the truth, but he lets you learn from, from the mistakes as well.
7: So the night the term paper was due, I panicked and I asked him for an extension. He says, what specifically are you asking of me? and I did not know how to deal with that. I did not know what he meant, but he was there smelling my BS out. What he was getting at was, I wasn't asking for fairness. I was making excuses. I was framing asking for mercy, for uh, a little privilege, some leeway, some special case. He was like, no. I mean, everyone goes through the same stuff. Everyone has the same level of of reasons the same excuses and he hears them all the time but he was like well here's the thing it's already late you're gonna turn it in late and they're gonna be points taken off you might as well make that the best paper you've ever written otherwise points off plus it being a bad paper will not end up well for you so there was um, a real moment of oh, okay uh, I have to be honest with myself and okay I'll get this paper done but it's not an extension it is (laughs) literally the littlest bit of leeway after I've gone and shot myself in the foot and he pointed that out and um that night I've I spent six hours in his office talking to him I I mean we were there till the crack of dawn after uh, night class just talking to him about his life everything he's gone through how he's had to come to the position he's in. The stuff that came, he he showed that he struggled when he was younger with finding out what he was wanted or trying to do. He shared that with me, and I felt like that that helped me understand, like, okay, I don't have everything figured out. Dr. Bailey is a very smart man, a very well-read man, a very educated man, and he is respected. And the way he describes it, he was aimless at a younger age. He was lazy, smart, but lazy. and you could coast off that and just kinda I think that is um I think when he tells you something he knows and he knows that you could be better
3: the first prominent memory that I have of Dr. Bailey is actually because I was in the Marshall Foundation newsletter and they asked me who my favorite journalism professor was and at that point I had been volunteering at the station for a semester or two and I didn't choose Dr. Bailey as my favorite professor and so he poked fun at me for it and looking back I kind of regret that because he ended up being the most influential person in my life as I went through college but I just remember how everybody had told me how opinionated this man was and hard to deal with and just all of these not kind things and here he was standing poking fun at me and telling me that I was spoiled because I got to know him as a mentor and a boss and a friend before I ever had him for class and most people don't get to do that but I feel like that's what's really made my experience here at Marshall was because of Dr. Bailey
0: I have to say, I would not be the person that I am if it weren't for Dr. Bailey. He has helped me learn how to focus my creative energy and he has helped me gain the confidence that I never knew I could have in what I create. And Dr. Bailey is I think the only professor who will sit with you for hours and hours on end just to help refine a short 30 second radio promo. He cares so immensely And without Dr. Bailey, there wouldn't be this special place that we call WMUL. At least it wouldn't be the WMUL that we know. We wouldn't have these memories. Thank you, Dr. Bailey. As you can tell, WMUL is a very special radio station. From the bottom of all of our hearts, this is Zane Bowles wishing WMUL a happy birthday.
7: Happy birthday, WMUL. I'm Alex Jackson, the social media director. And my favorite memory at WMUL is the June 29th, 2021 newscast. The worst thing I've ever made at WMUL is the June 29th, 2021 newscast. Happy birthday, WMUL. This is David Atkins. And my fondest memory of the station is meeting all the people that I currently work with and becoming friends with them.
5: Happy birthday, WMUL. This is Andrew Rogers, the sports director, wishing you a happy birthday. My best memory at WMUL is always traveling on the road, whether it be a football or men's basketball game that we call on the road, but bonding with the sports staff members.
8: Happy birthday, WMUL. This is Justin Zimmer. I'm the training and contest coordinator here. And my best memory of WMUL is... It's probably the broadcast we get to do, probably getting to work with all the people, you know, doing all the shows we get to do, and uh, one of my favorite memories is kind of like the start of the uh, Zimmer Winner, which we came up with on Inside Conference USA, and, and then the sweep of the week.
2: From the 70s to, gosh, the third decade of this century, this is Keith Spears saying, happy birthday,
4: WMUL FM. Happy birthday, WMUL. Happy birthday, WMUL FM.
9: Happy birthday, WMUL. It's it's what everyone makes of it. I mean, it could be everyone comes through here with with a specific path that, that they want, and the station changes that path, and they change the station by going through here. But everyone who's come through here has affected the station in some way, even if. Most people don't see that, don't see how someone else 10 years ago made one little decision and now 10 years later we're still doing that thing. They decided 10 years ago that they changed up. Uh, But everyone who comes through here impacts the station in some way.
3: Happy birthday, WMUL! This is Michaela Wheeler wishing you a happy birthday. My best memory of WMUL is probably my first summer working here. It was the first time I really felt like part of the team all of the volunteers here at the station, and the directors, and Dr. Bailey and Mike. The support system that I have found here is unlike any other I've ever had my entire life. It has truly shaped who I am as a human being, and I dread the day that I have to leave because it's been such an amazing experience. I never would have thought of myself as a journalist And I happened into this station, and it's shaped everything I want to be in life. And who I am and how I interact. And none of that is owed to me. It is completely owed to all of the people here for the things that they have allowed me to learn and be involved in. And I can never thank you all enough for that. People don't see how much this station truly means because... They either don't spend much time here, or they never step foot into the station. We're all over campus, we're all over town, but people don't see how much this station really does for every person. And that's one thing that I want everybody to know is how special this place actually is. And it's not just the place, it's the people in it.